to do that. You don't have to. I want to. It's not over. We're Cobra Kai. I want to say it. Cobra Kai. Say it, Cobra Kai. Never dies. Bet your ass. Welcome to Karate Kid 3 Minutes, a podcast where we discuss the Karate Kid Part 3. Three? Is it three? I don't know. I lost count. <laughs> Minutes at a time. <laughs> I'm Robin. I'm Matt. I'm Bill. Hey, we're back on a Friday. It's EGIF. Oh, so happy. So happy it's Friday. Terry, Terry goes in first. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Today we're talking about minutes six to nine. Nice. Of the Karate Kid Part 3. They begin with well wishes from Pat Johnson and end with Terry telling Crease to get the hell out of this movie. You're not allowed uh, to slip in inappropriate references, Robin. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if I can't slip them in, you can't either. All right. All right. All right. I, I, will, I will watch my step from here on out. We pick up where we left off on Wednesday with John Kreese listening to his answering machine. Uh, and uh, yeah, the the, machine, the messages go on. It looks like Kreese is also in debt to the phone company. Uh, but I will say, cool thing is that if he just gets his phone shut off, he won't have to hear any more bad news. Right? That's, uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, you, yeah. It'll never reach him. Never. There won't be consequences. <laughs> Uh, we get this moment right here uh, where he crumples the article and then flexes his hand. And I assume that uh, only, he's did, not only, yeah, he's remembering like not only, I think he did, did he, maybe he not only bloodied him, his knuckles, but maybe he broke a few knuckles too. You'd think um, it was like rip up his tendons or something, but I mean, his hand, <laughs> his hands look fine. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even but, like, that I could see, they didn't even like put fake scars on them or anything. Can you imagine if they completely botched up that article and then decided to do some sort of great makeup effects on his hand <laughs> <laughs> to show scars and things? They um, should have. You want to know how I got these scars? Uh, <laughs> from trying to punch an old man and I punched a car instead. Darn it! <laughs> All right, so <laughs> we cut to a faraway shot of a great stone mansion. Uh, it looks like a, almost like a castle on the hill, like an evil, <laughs> evil castle up in the, in the hills of Los Angeles. That's uh, a, that's a famous building too, isn't it? It is. Uh, yeah, do you know famous what the name mansion. is? I can't remember. It's called the Ennis house. Right. Uh, it was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, who was a pioneer in American architecture. Um, his most famous creation being the Guggenheim Museum. Um, built in 1924, it's constructed out of interlocking concrete blocks, and its design is based on Mayan temples. Um, now, the textile block design, like the little design on each of the blocks, is a stylized G, which may have been because uh, the building it was bought, built for uh, Charles Ennis uh, belonged to some sort of uh, Masonic order, uh, which uh, had a, a symbol of a compass with the letter G for God at its center. <laughs> so secret 
fellowships. I have no idea, but um, nothing creepy about that. Uh, I, I I know about as much about architecture as I do about um, Masonic, uh, you know, secret society. So, um, so yeah, the ownership of this building started with Charles Ennis. That's why it's called the Ennis House, and was bought and resold through the years. And its latest owners uh, bought it for eighteen million dollars. Um, well, is and, that a is that a steal for uh, such a building? Uh, I suppose since it's a, it's also a, a national landmark, so it's always going to be famous, and I think it's always going to be valuable. Um, perhaps I, I think it was valued for more and uh, got sold for eighteen uh, by the previous owner. Um, so the current owners actually made their money in uh, the cannabis cannabis industry. <laughs> so. There you go. Uh, from Masonic orders to uh, CBD people. <laughs> um, it is privately owned, but yeah, it's sometimes opened opened for tours. Everybody who inherits this house or buys this house makes some sort of arrangement with the. There's like an Ennis House Foundation, and they they can end up holding tours. Uh, because most importantly, this house has been used in movies and television. Do you recognize it from anything? Just this. Just this. Okay. Well, was it in uh was it in Blade Runner? Mm-hmm. Blade Runner. Was? Correct. Nice. Yes. Uh the exterior was in Blade Runner, but uh, uh it's uh Harrison Ford's character, Rick Deckard. Um it was his building that he goes into. Oh. And uh, uh the inside of the building was a set, but they designed the set with uh uh, the same kind of uh, textile, the the G thing <laughs> uh, that that they did in you know that you see on the outside of the building. I mean, much like the actual interior is. Um, the first big uh, movie that this uh, house was involved with that you know many people might recognize it from is ha House on Haunted Hill from 1959. Uh, yeah, um, and they didn't film the interiors there. Uh, it was used in uh, Westworld, oh. and uh, most importantly to you and me, it also is used in two uh, things that we've podcasted about. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, uh huh. Uh, for me, uh, Buffy, uh, this was Angel's oh. Mansion. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. Oh yeah. Yep, the exterior was the exterior of Angel's Mansion, where Angel, Spike, and Drusilla, and Angel went bad. Uh, hung out in um and i'm going to drop this on you it was also used in twin peaks what? uh yeah. uh what? where how no. where could it have been oh i love this i love this so much is it i love having a little bit of information just dang is it in the third season uh -uh. no uh is it the original show show not movie show <laughs> huh i don't know was it the bank? Nope. And it wasn't the, it wasn't Evelyn's place. I assume that was kind of in the woods. No. I don't know. Okay, if you give up. Yep. It was used as the 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 interiors of. Oh, uh, the interiors. Of, okay. Does that change anything if I say the interiors, which we do see the interiors of in this movie, the interiors were used in Twin Peaks. Does that help at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it would because it took me by absolute surprise when I, I read this. But 
David Lynch filmed all the scenes for Invitation to Love no! in the Ennis house. Yes. No way. Go back That's and amazing. check out the show. And you'll see in the background of these scenes that you usually just see on a TV set <laughs> that that block design. Wow. Kind of appropriate because uh, um, Tommy C. Griffith is like was like a soap opera actor. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and, and really, I think this was like right around the same time, 80, 89, 88. That's so funny. That's um, funny. <laughs> also, another Lynch connection. Uh, David Lynch liked this mansion so much that he took casts of the bricks and used them as a, a as the door frame to Club Silencio in Mul- Mulholland Drive. Uh, Whoa. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Um, funny. Final fun fact about this mansion is that I actually visited it uh, back in 2010. You did? Uh, did you yeah. do a hook? Did you do a hook kick in the same spot that Terry did one? <laughs> I wish I could. I drove up to it. It is way up in the hills. It is. It, those are those are some steep roads, um, and I was only able to kind of pull into the drive where we see all Terry's classic cars, uh, <laughs> all his cars parked, uh, and was able to kind of look in the building from my car. But it wasn't like open for visitors. I kind of was just like, oh, I'm uh, sorry, I pulled into the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> oh wow. Hmm. But I, I was I was there because I knew it only primarily as uh, the exterior for Angel's Mansion. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, I love this. I I want I want to go see it uh, so much more now because of Karate Kid Three and uh, you know knowing it from other. Uh, it was even in uh, Westworld uh, most recently. Um, oh, the TV show. I thought you meant the movie. Mm-hmm. Nope the the TV show. No, I can see that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this movie, uh, gives a great look at the Ennis house, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, especially this, this movie is, uh, unique, not unique, but, you know, semi-unique because there's not many that actually showcase the interior of the house as much as, uh, as much as this movie. But, uh, what we also see, uh, in that faraway shot is how smoggy, <laughs> LA is because it is really just the smoggiest shot. And when we look out later across LA, you just see the smog over the city. Yeah. That's and, better uh, nowadays, isn't it? It used to be I real think so. Yeah. This is uh late eighties, you know, people like Terry Silver are making lots of money uh <laughs> polluting the air. Mm. Um and uh the other thing I noticed in this faraway shot is even a, a, a famous mansion needs a TV antenna <laughs> back in the 80s. So of course, I'm assuming that's a TV antenna that's sticking out. The t- uh, you know. Um, okay, so uh, we now go to a shot from the inside as Crease walks up and rings the doorbell, and uh, it just sounds like a regular doorbell, doesn't? It? Like it doesn't sound very ritzy, doesn't sound villainous at all. Just ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what do you think uh, Terry Silver's doorbell should actually sound like? It should sound like Terry Silver's theme. Well, the cucaracha? Yeah. Terry Silver's theme? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, we do hear this theme uh, during the scene, you know, especially when Crease is uh, walking in to meet Terry. Uh 
it's just I love the strings. Just like the only he's the only villain in the series to get his own theme. It's so cool. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Yeah, there isn't one for chosen or Johnny. I don't think. Nope. Hmm. Um. But yeah, uh, Butler answers and greets Crease and uh, and and. You know, if you're watching this for the first time after watching the first two, you're like, what the heck is going on here? Why is he showing up as his manager? Why? Why does this butler go? Oh, Crease, <laughs> Mr. Crease, uh, come on in. Um, and uh, and it's like, I, I'm here to see the boss. You know, it's like, uh oh, there's someone who's higher than Crease on this ladder. Like, how evil is this person going to be? Mm. Uh, how many creases does this boss uh, put out into the world, you know, or is it responsible for? <laughs> <laughs> is there like a some sort of Cobra Kai empire that, you know, creases just in charge of one little studio? Um, so, yeah, this is very overdubbed, this scene, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Might be because uh, the butler, uh, whose name is Milos, Milos, mm-hmm. um, played by uh, Czech actor Jan Triska, um, who everybody knows played Laszlo Panzini in the Quantum Leap episode, Leaping Without a Net. If we need another reason to watch a Quantum Leap episode on this uh, podcast, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> just for the butler? <laughs> just for the butler. Yeah, the, you know, that famous butler in the Karate Kid 3. we got to check out his other works. Because hmm. uh, it was also in People versus Larry Flint, uh, At Pupil, Ronin, and many, many, many Czech films. Like, so many Czech films. How many did he play a butler in? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's again shocking. Crease at this mansion. The butler knows him, and Crease just like knows his way in. And we see him walking down this ornate hallway, while we hear sparring in the background. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> Is this some sort of sort of like uh, you know, rich people dojo? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a class being conducted? But uh, uh. Crease walks into a room and we see Terry Silver in a white Cobra Kai gi uh, battling. He's so tall. He's huge. <laughs> okay, sorry. So I have to interrupt about that because we were watching Cobra Kai with Matt's parents. Uh-huh. Did I, or I might have, might have already mentioned this, but she, Matt's mom could not stop asking, how tall is he? He's so tall. How tall is he? And she remembered him like from... What was the soap, soap opera he was in? Yeah, she remembered him from Another the soap world. opera. What? Another world. Another world. She remembered him from that. And she was like, oh, he's in this. And she got all excited. She's like, how tall is he? Find out how tall he is. <laughs> did you? Because I have it right here. He's like six something. I don't know. We six did. Foot, I can't, can't remember. Six foot five. Mm, it's pretty mm. tall. Mm-hmm. I think he's shorter uh, than Conan. <laughs> is he? I don't know. Is he yeah. what? Is he shorter than Conan O'Brien? Put, put oh, Conan O'Brien, I don't know. Six He's four. not in this movie. Hmm. <laughs> He's not in this movie. What if he was? Oh, man, please. I would love it. It's just like Conan was in, as just this bumbling karate student that he just cannot get kicked out of Cobra Kai quick enough. Um, <laughs> I have other heights here. Martin Cove is six foot one. Uh, Billy Zabka is six foot. And Ralph Macchio is five foot nine. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, we see him we, and that white Cobra Kai gi, uh, and he's battling two opponents who are 
like suited in protective gear. So, you know, cause obviously they're hired to come in here, uh, to fight him. Um, Terry seems to kind of, kind of guy to be like, uh, one of those rich people that goes, okay, I want you to come and attack me, but I don't want to know when it's going to be <laughs> just leap out and attack me. Uh, there's a, it was like a, wasn't that like a running bit in the Pink Panther movies? Somebody would like leap out and go after Inspector Clouseau and he'd have to fight them off. I and never watched kind of, that. Oh, yeah. I think you did, didn't you, Mel? What? Sorry. Somebody attacking Inspector <laughs> Clouseau in the Pink Panther movies? The old ones. I don't know. I've never seen those movies. Oh, I thought you did. Never mind. I've seen clips from them. Okay. Mm. But, uh, yeah, before we get into Thomas Ian Griffith, here's my first excuse to ask you about Terry Silver's form. Like, was he really telegraphing that wheel kick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that I can tell. I don't know. I mean, anytime you kick, it takes a while. It's, it, it's, it takes longer than a punch. Uh-huh. Uh, he's got a long distance to go with those giant that legs. Too, but <laughs> even if you even if you see it coming, he's like his leg is so long, you might not have time to get out of the way of, of yeah. his reach. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I that's like their one. I've no, I've noticed that with that with this series, it's like that's their one uh, karate criticism. They that's their go to, their fallback. Any, anytime they're, they're renaming like, oh, the uh, podcast karate, karate criticism. criticism. <laughs> But anytime they have to write, okay, uh, somebody has to criticize somebody else's karate here. Uh, you're telegraphing. That's like they always do that. But they've said it many times in Cobra Kai. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, it seems like an easy one. Like, after the fact, saying you could see that coming when it's already yeah. happened. Yeah. You know? 20 point. <laughs> Thomas Ian Griffith uh, studied Taekwondo since childhood. Uh, also a black belt in Kenpo karate. Uh, spent part of his youth traveling with his mother to the United Kingdom, uh, Ireland, and Canada to participate in Irish step dancing competitions. Whoa! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> could could you have could, could did, did I telegraph the end of that sentence? Not at all. <laughs> I had no idea. That's hilarious. Uh, we'll get this out of the way. He plays Crease's war buddy, but he's actually five months younger than Ralph Macchio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I figured it out. Martin Cove is actually 16 years older than Thomas. Wow. Um, no. Crazy. Uh, he was a TV actor from 84 to 87. He was on Another World. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So in an interview, he recalled that he was late for his audition, but got to read a scene for John Avildsen, who liked him enough to have him read with Ralph. Uh, he goes to read, and Abelson takes his pages from him and says, just improvise. And apparently they had fun with it, and Abelson's like, okay, you can come back for an official screen test now. And so Griffith like goes, well, what what role? There, there was the Vietnam vet, and then there was the bad boy at karate. And he was 28 or 29 at the time, so he couldn't figure out <laughs> yeah. what he's being cast for. <laughs> Abelson said to him, don't worry, just come back. So, uh, and then he, uh, uh, Griffith says, uh, and then they rewrote it and created this character, this archetypal, bigger than life character. Um, so again, that seems to clue in like they're still doing rewrites as they're like casting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Griffith remembers saying, Is this too much? And Avelson just said, 
just keep doing it. I want every kid in America kicking you in the shins. (laughs) (laughs) Every kid to hate you. Um, Pretend like you did all the coke. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, When asked about his experience on making the film around the time uh, when he was working on Cobra Kai, he says, um, I had just come to L.A. from New York, and John Ableton took a chance on an unknown actor. It is by no means a great film, but even to this day, I am proud of my work because I was brave enough not to hold back. Avildsen kept pushing me to go for it, and that was a risky thing to do as an actor going into a project that was already established. For me, it was a positive experience, but I didn't carry the weight of the prior films. Some of it worked and some of it didn't, but I had the balls to just go for it, which I give myself credit for. Yeah, uh, and so I do too. <laughs> I do too. I appreciate his performance. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes on. I had not looked at the film for so long, but it was recently on TV, and my wife said, We got to watch it. And I said, No, we don't. But we did. <laughs> and oh, there were dimensions and levels with that manipulative charm that I got to lock into all these years later. There were a few things where it was like, If that's what they chose to put into the film, imagine what the outtakes were like. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it sounds like he had a great experience. I mean, his first movie role, I'm sure he was excited. Um, And, of course, his other big role, I mean, uh, he was was the head vampire in John Carpenter's Vampires. Yes, I heard about that. I did watch watch that. (laughs) Yeah. So good, so good. And it's just his size really works with that role. Just like he's not only gigantic, but he's a gigantic, scary vampire. Nice. I love it. Uh, Besides that, there are a lot of B action movies uh, he did in the meantime. And uh, he ended up kind of retiring from acting in the mid 2000s after all that and then started writing for TV. Um, And he actually worked on the TV show Grimm uh, for a while and wrote episodes of that show. So that's a little background about uh, our good pal, uh, Terry Silver slash Thomas Ian Griffith. TIG, the the notorious T-I-G. Yeah, I don't know. We got to get an interview with him. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. (laughs) Uh, Terry is delighted to see his old buddy, Johnny, and runs over to hug him. Uh, And, yeah. Right off the bat, we see like he is a merciless opponent. You can see his sparring partners are like trying to shake the cartoon birds flying around their heads. <laughs> Would you let somebody pay you to beat you up? Am I homeless? I think that's a big part of it. <laughs> Bum fights are big in the movies and TV shows that I've watched before. Um, like Veronica Mars. Um would I pay uh, if I was wearing that much gear? Maybe because mm-hmm. they are, they're like, they're pretty well. I mean, I don't think their legs are protected, but their, their chests and head are protected. Mm-hmm. So maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Like how much do you pay for that? Like uh, for, uh, for somebody to beat you up or like, how much do they pay you? <laughs> how much do they pay you? Like how much would you settle? They like, okay, I will, this is the minimum amount of money I'm going to take to have, to be beaten up by somebody. Hmm. I mean, it's a different, it's a different uh, proposition for people who aren't American. Cause in America, you might take that money and get the beating and then have to go right to the hospital and spend that money plus more <laughs> right at, at the hospital. Yeah. 
uh, thousand bucks to beat me up. <laughs> thousand <laughs> with bucks pa- with pads on. Yeah, yeah. The pads have got to. I mean, you know, you don't want to. I don't want to have any bones broken or whatever. Um, yeah, a thousand. I don't know. I'm almost thinking more, <laughs> but I don't know. I, 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 I depends. Where's my self-esteem at this right, point? Right now, the way I'm feeling, I would do it for free so that I have an excuse to take a day off from work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Matt, that sounds like a, per, uh, a permission Actually, slip. <laughs> what I mean by tomorrow is Monday. <laughs> right. Yeah. This show comes out on Friday, but some people like Mel decides to just ignore the weekends. It's kind of like a flat earth thing. Yeah. There are yeah, no weekends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a part of a, a weird kind of like, um, like a, a day of the week cult, I guess. <laughs> the five day society. It's only like a weekday cult. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's friday today mel you gotta keep kayfabe kayfabe <laughs> wrestling term oh i am right. meaning staying at staying character <laughs> oh. <laughs> i lost on that one too don't worry um <laughs> yeah so uh, uh yeah i mean just right off the bat like the slick black hair uh the mm-hmm. the gold the ponytail the gold chain around his neck like that boisterous personality like this is something we've never seen in a karate kid movie <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you thought sato was over the top <laughs> he is very restrained <laughs> compared <laughs> to this guy <laughs> and also looking very restrained in this scene uh, and and i don't know just playing very quiet is uh is martin cove is is john crease like he's just down in the dumps i mean yeah, he does a good job at portraying Crease uh, as a defeated man. Broken Crease. Um, but yeah, Terry sees his duffel bag, asks if he's moving in. <laughs> uh, that's a sitcom I want to see. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, Crease is here to say goodbye and hand over the dojo keys. And it's here that we learn that Terry Silver bought this dojo for Crease. Uh and so, yeah, imagine just seeing this for the first time, just being like, what? What is, what happened? What? What's going on here? This is not what I knew. Like, there's a, there's a higher level, you know, behind, behind this, uh, this evil villain. There's an even eviler villain. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Crease owes back rent on it. And Terry's like, screw the rent. Um, <laughs> but I'm just like, if he bought the place for Crease, why is he making Crease pay the rent? <laughs> yeah, that uh, is strange. I think he probably assumed that Crease could cover it. Like, he was why is there rent if he bought it? Yeah, yeah. It, he he should be able to. Yeah, should have been able to just buy it outright. Yeah, but um, and then we have Milos uh, interrupting, and I love that Terry just kind of reacts like he's an annoying fly. Like Terry is super friendly to Crease, but as soon as Milos interrupts, he's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, here's a very telling thing about Terry Silver. Uh, there's something about a plutonium deal that he's got to sign. <laughs> and uh, he's, uh, we learned that he's apparently in the business of dumping nu- nuclear waste, uh, which, you know, we didn't have any problem with 10 years ago. But now everybody's a detective. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love, like, how cartoon villain he is. It's yeah. just such a cartoon villain thing. It is, it, I mean, I guess we could have had him uh, earning his money in this way or that way or whatever. You know, you could have had him as a, I think Cobra Kai 
the the show like tries to cast him more as a uh, uh, a a rich kid that kind of went went evil or whatever, you know. Uh, but in this movie, it's very much like, oh yeah, he's. He's a, he's such an evil villain. He's he that he makes his money dumping nuclear waste. <laughs> you know? like, he hates everything. He doesn't care at all at all about hurting people. Uh, and so yeah, we, uh, Terry takes Crease out onto the de- onto his deck, and we see, uh, like I said before, like a, a shot of that that smoggy city. And um, I completely didn't even pick this up, but. I I can see now that Cobra Kai was paying homage to this scene when Crease and Terry were talking out on Terry's balcony in the in the in the show. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't pick that up until now either. And and uh how they were trying to mirror um the way this scene is. Like in this scene, Terry is uh at you know top of his game and Crease is broken and in Cobra Kai it was reverse. Yeah. Um, Terry Crease uh, is mo- a lot more confident and whatever, and Terry is just a shadow of his former self. Um, so, yeah, I, th- that's why I kind of love, you know, talking about the Cobra Kai season <laughs> that pays homage to the movie we're about to cover because now we can open it up to further levels um, and we can pick up these kind of Easter eggs. Um, so, yeah, Crease says it's been nine months since his last student and now he's throwing in the towel and he says he's going nowhere but Chris, terry corrects him he's like no you're going to tahiti uh which uh i hear is a magical place by the way um <laughs> we'll find <laughs> out later how magical is. <laughs> yeah oh, we're in a hurry to get uh crease out of this movie so terry's like we're going to tahiti. you're going to tahiti now and we cut immediately to outside lax where terry's like driving him to the front gate mm-hmm. <laughs> what a good friend great <laughs> yeah then he's got his gold 1978 rolls royce corniche series two according to internet movie cars database yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, as they pull up, Terry vows to Chris that he's going to make uh, Miyagi and Daniel pay. And uh, he says a awful slur about mm-hmm. Miyagi, mm-hmm. which I hate. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just like, oh yeah, f- this is the bad guy. This is the real bad guy. That he's gonna so, be- it, it's so weird that they use that slur, but they're all like, they use the, like the martial arts that, that those cultures <laughs> yeah, like, originated. Right? But then they also have the baggage of, fighting against Asian people in the war. Yeah. So they've got like, you know, a complicated relationship with Asian culture, I mm. guess. Vietnam yeah. vets sure. who took up karate. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't, uh, doesn't excuse it. No. <laughs> oh no. And yeah, like it's like it's so villainous to be using a slur like that. Like just an that's an ugly, ugly slur that, you know, just I don't I'm I'm glad I don't travel in circles where I hear that ever. It's like mm-hmm. I don't think I've only heard that in like movies. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, then this is just completely arch villainous uh, boast. Like uh, they made you suffer, so I'll make them suffer. And when I think yeah. they've suffered enough, then I start with the pain. <laughs> <laughs> like what's the difference? Is <laughs> um, I guess we'll see. Um, you'll see. Oh, you'll see. Oh yeah, I'll see. Yeah. Uh, 
and I, I will give credit to anybody who decides to watch this movie for the first time with us, like three minutes at a time. <laughs> so I don't want to give away too much, but, mm-hmm. um, and strangely crease is like, Terry, you don't have to do that. Like he definitely has to go. He's lost his edge. He is not at all. Like awesome. Yeah. Kill them for me. Like kick their ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, I wonder what his plan was. Like, was he just going to like lay down where he stood and die? Like, <laughs> was he going to go back home to whatever his home state is and live with his parents? Yeah. What was he going to do? <laughs> it looked like he was going to, you know, like walk the, walk the road. <laughs> like, he was just done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he goes, uh, uh, we hear here for the first time, the words, Cobra Kai never dies, and, mm-hmm. which which Terry encourages John to say, and he finally says it. Cobra Kai never dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, this is the first time that said in this franchise. Like I, when when I heard it, heard it on the show, I just assumed it was something from part one. But I I went back and did a quick search of the part one uh, script, and the the actual name Cobra Kai is only said three times in the movie. Like mm-hmm. we just read it places and it, it's all by the announcer at the tournament. Like that's the only time they say Cobra Kai and they never say Cobra Kai never dies. This is the first time. Mm. Um, let's see. So yeah, we go through the whole thing where um, Terry reminds him that, that he owes him for Vietnam and uh, how many times did he save me? And they don't get any more specific than that. They're, there's, Saving that for the TV show many years ago. Yeah, we've only seen we've only seen one, so <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, see. yeah, maybe maybe uh, Terry did stay in uh, the service with him, and uh, you know became like the runner-up karate champion or something. Um, but and then you know, Crease uh, saved his life uh, a couple more times before they finally decided to go back to the states and start a dojo. But I was just like. Uh, finally, when John, uh, when Chris gives in, he goes, I don't know. I lost count. And, uh, I, I just wrote this note. I was like, don't push it, Terry. You know, you might just t- start telling you again and again, how much you owe him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just the keep, first keep, keep lording it over me. You're throwing <laughs> it in my face. Yeah. And then finally, Terry tells him to get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> And I just feel bad, like poor Martin Cove, just literally being told to get out of here. But Go like I said, TV show. yeah, he was uh, he was uh, initially intended to have a larger role in this movie. Uh, in fact, I found sides um, that uh, for Martin Cove there, he, he had a script that he was auctioning off for Karate Kid Part Three. And uh, there were some sides in it, which literally had crease training Daniel instead of Terry Silver. Huh. Yeah. It's like the original earlier draft. I would love to see the whole thing, but how would that have worked? How would Daniel have <laughs> for that? I just think the movie was, uh, I think the, I think perhaps crease, uh, uh, perhaps warmed, warmed up to him, you know, and just to get some revenge, like I'm going to sweeten this kid up and then I'm going to break him down, you know, kind of like a, kind of like what Terry does, but Terry has the benefit of, being a stranger to Daniel, you know? Yeah. Chris would just been like, come on, Daniel, I've changed, baby. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's been nine months. I lost everybody, but kid, you've got it. You know, <laughs> and just come to Cobra Kai. And I want to. I want you to be my first student in my inaugural relaunching. I can. I can see it. I'll help. I'll help Robert Mark Heyman write it. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Martin Cove committed to a primetime CBS uh, series. And here's some. Uh, before we leave, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Um, it's called Hard Time on Planet Earth. It was on CBS uh, primetime. Uh, let me just say that for the third time. Uh, it starred Martin Cove as an alien elite officer, uh, a soldier that fought in the inter- interplanetary war. And then by the end of the war, he rebelled against his superiors. And you get to see him as that alien elite officer. And he looks like a cross between the Predator and uh, like a Cyberman from uh, Doctor Who. Whoa. Yeah. And so his superiors decide to punish him for rebelling by turning him into a human named Jesse and sending him to earth to live as a human man until he can earn his way back home. Uh, so by, do, by doing what? Just uh, learning his lessons. to humans. <laughs> it's kind of like a cross between like Thor and Starman, like uh, a little bit of incredible Hulk thrown in where he's basically has to like travel like town from town, just begrudgingly helping people so he can be released, like prove them that he's worthy to rejoin uh, being a, an elite officer again for this uh, alien force. Um, and uh, he learns English from the TV. Uh, so sometimes he talks in movie or TV dialogue. And is called out by people, normal people around him, like, okay, John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> he has a floating robot eyeball uh, named Control that is uh, kind of his prison guard. His uh, He oversees and, you know, corrects him when he's uh, doing wrong. And uh, he's the comic relief. Um, his catchphrase is, <clears throat> bomity, bomity, negative outcome, not good. No. Oh, yeah. Terrible. That is his catchphrase. And like I said, strangely enough, his earthly name is Jesse. He's known as Jesse. Uh, And the following year, Martin had a son uh, and named him Jesse. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Who we see as the bully in the uh, flashback of young Crease. Very Ralph Macchio naming his kid Daniel. Yeah, right? Isn't that weird? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so the fate of hard time on planet earth, uh, it placed number 66 in the ratings, uh, going up against the juggernauts of unsolved mysteries and growing pains. Um, it was on the air from March to June, 1989, lasted 13 episodes and was canceled. Negative outcome. (laughs) Not good. (laughs) I'm sorry this happened to Martin Cove, but. At the same time, I think it was for the best. Guys, I watched an episode. Oh, no. They exist? <laughs> They're on YouTube. Please check it out. Look up Hard Time on Planet Earth. Check it out. Uh, it is uh, a cheaply made show. It is very uh, uh, Quantum Leap-esque, where it is this person going into different situations and, say, and, and helping people and having like this fish out of water thing constantly, like having to learn things left and right. Um, I watched an episode, I forget what the name of the episode was, but 
I was like, oh, I got to check this one out because it co-starred uh, Larry B. Scott, who was in uh, the first Karate Kid as one of uh, Chris's students, uh, where uh, he watches TV and sees like an army commercial and is just like, oh, that's what I got to do. And so he ends up joining the army and helps out Larry B. Scott, who since he is a black guy on 80s TV, obviously he's involved in gangs uh, and the gangs of course have their colors uh, and uh, the gang gang people are trying to uh, get Larry B. Scott to uh, um, give them the keys to like some sort of like weapons artillery thing so they can use it in their gang wars. Um, so yeah, a little bit dated. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it 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 was also kind of like lighthearted '80s fare. It was just like your typical '80s action drama, uh, where cheesy dialogue, you know, like cheaply filmed, and uh, but but it, it you know the cool the fun part of it is is just seeing Martin Cove starring in a show where he's got like an alien robot eyeball sidekick and <laughs> and he's. You know, he's also he's like playing like this proud alien warrior who has to like put up with being nice to people and learning learning to be compassionate and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say. So, so why out. why are the evil? I assumed they were evil aliens. Why do they want him to do good deeds? I, I have no idea. I, have no idea. <laughs> I wish I saw. I, I couldn't find the pilot on on YouTube. Maybe it's out there. Uh, but uh, yeah. It seemed like I, I, I read through the wiki, like skimmed through it, and apparently in the thirteenth episode, they they somehow shoehorned a way into right a way for him to uh, get back to uh, to space and rejoin the whatever army or whatever. And uh, so you know, thirteen episodes it was canceled, but it sounds like it was a complete story. If anybody wants to binge it, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but all right, well. Uh, let's wrap this up, guys. I'm gonna stay and edit this one. You, you're going to Tahiti now. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, please send feedback to karatekidminute at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, join the Facebook group. Just search for Karate Kid Minute. And if you got a moment, give us a nice little rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you're enjoying it. And tune in next week when, oh my God, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi finally show up in this movie. <laughs> what? Mel's like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm only going to show up when Terry Silver's on the screen. <laughs> uh, actually, our format, the way we're doing this year, I realized uh, as I was talking to uh, future guest Travis that the only week that Terry Silver actually isn't in those nine minutes is the week that um, he's joining us. So, oh wow, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Every other week has Terry Silver in it somewhere. There you go. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, thanks for hanging out with me uh, this week, Matt and Mel. Mm, and nope. thanks everybody for listening. And until next time. You know, this is the '80s, Mr. Miyagi. You can't be so damn passive. <laughs>